All right. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the staff members here. Now, uh, I, I've been a parent for five years now, and I've discovered I discovered something pretty quickly being a parent. I have two skills that make me not necessarily a good parent. They make me an effective parent, okay? Now, these aren't skills that you would necessarily want just in and of yourself to have, but as a parent, they're pretty good to have, okay? The first one is this. I'm a relatively light sleeper, all right? Uh, if I hear any noise, I wake up. If, if something's going on with the kids, I you know, I, I jump out of bed, try to, you know, sometimes I'm not in a good mood when I jump out of bed, but, you know, I, I, I kind of respond to what they're doing. Uh, in fact, a couple months ago, our oldest one, for some reason, uh, about one o'clock in the morning, I heard, I don't know if it was a noise, if I heard his voice, uh, he, you know, we have kind of a monitor that we use for them, even though they're getting older now, they have a lot of nightmares and stuff like that, and so, the monitor's right kind of next to my, on my nightstand, and all of a sudden, there was something alerted me to the fact that he was about to get sick. Like, I don't know if he said it, or I don't know if I heard something, and all of a sudden, they're upstairs. I, like, my immediate first thought is, I have to get there, because I got to get him in the bathroom, all right? I, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to clean up a mess. I got to get him to the bathroom. So, I run up the stairs, one o'clock in the morning, I'm barely awake, and I burst into the door, and I see him, and I step toward him, and I realize that I'm too late, because I've stepped right in the middle of it. Like, in, in my rush to get up there, it, it's already happened, which leads me to my next skill. Uh, I'm the one that cleans that stuff up, okay? Um, unfortunately, you know, again, remember, as you know, individually, that's not necessarily a great skill to have, but in parenting, at least one of you has to be able to do that. So, so I get in there, and, you know, I see him, and he's, he's sitting on the bed, and he's crying, and he's like, Daddy, I'm sorry, and I, I'm like, baby, it's okay, and all of a, you know, and, and it just, all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me, like, you, you, like you look at the mess, it's like all in front of the door, and it's one o'clock in the morning, and like I just didn't even know where to start. Like, how do how do I even start this process? Because to be honest, what I wanted to do was close the door and go back to bed. I mean, I mean, you know, being totally honest, that's what we want to do. We just uh, just forget it. Close the door, go back to bed. The problem is, I've got it all over me now, or all over my feet anyway, and so I can't do that. So. I just start the process. I get him downstairs, get him cleaned up, and then I start hands and knees just scrubbing. And if you guys think about it, we've all experienced those kinds of messes, those messes where, you know, we just, we're just not sure where to start. We find ourselves in, in, you know, maybe for you, like you spilled some paint one day, and like the more you tried to clean it up, the more it spread. Or maybe, you know, I, I've seen someone drop a, like a jar of mayonnaise, like when, you know, they were actually in jars, not plastic, you know, drop a jar of mayonnaise and mayonnaise just go all over a kitchen and all over the refrigerator and all of that stuff. And you just don't know where to start. And if you think about it, we, we, we've had those physical messes, but 
we also have had those emotional and spiritual messes as well. Those things where we just didn't know where to start. Like, how do I dig myself out of this? Because I just don't know where to start. And we've all had those messes. I mean, maybe for you, you were born into that mess. You know, from from the minute you were born into your family, it's been a mess. I mean, you remember even as a, a little child, as a baby, you remember the confusion and the craziness and the chaos. And as you've gotten older, you've only begun to scratch the surface of understanding what that mess is all about. And you're still dealing with it. And you're still trying to work through it. Or maybe for some of you, you married into a mess. You married into a mess, you, you kind of knew, but you, you know, you, then you married into it, and then you really knew, okay? Um, maybe for some of you, your spouse married into a mess. Get that, you know, okay? Your spouse married into a mess. Maybe you're the mess, and they married into it. And there's all this stuff that goes with this and baggage and all kinds of things. Maybe you work for a mess. You know, maybe it's your boss or maybe it's the company that you work for. It's just a disaster. And you don't know where to even begin. Like, how do I get myself out of this? Maybe you moved in with a mess. I mean, we could go on and on and on. There's all kinds of messes that we find ourselves in. And here's why I know this, because at the heart of it, let's be really honest, we're all a mess. We're all a mess. You know, whether, whether we think we were born into it or whether we, you know, think that I, I haven't really created this, I just kind of got dragged into it, at the end of the day, we're part of the mess. You know, we've, we've, maybe, maybe we did get dragged into it. But we did something to kind of like throw some gasoline on the fire, all right? We've, we've done that, you know? We, we've, we've said that wrong thing in the situation or whatever. But we're all a mess. Whether we created it or whether, you know, we got dragged into it, we're all a mess. The good thing is, is there's a solution to that. We don't have to just stand around and go, what do I do? Where, where, where do I begin? Like, how do I even begin to clean up this mess? We have a solution. In fact, you're probably here today because you know that solution. Maybe not. You know, maybe somebody invited you and said, hey, you know what? I, I know things have been hard in your life or whatever, and uh, I want you to come check out my church, okay? You know, they, they didn't offer any other solution other than, hey, come check out my church, but we're all, you know, it, 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 to be honest, maybe you're, maybe you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, I'm uh, not really all that messy today, but I guarantee this, you either are just coming out of a mess, you're currently in a mess, or you're about to go into another one, okay? I mean, that's, that's how we live our lives. That's how our life runs. And so the good thing is that there is a solution in that, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to unpack that today, because that's kind of one of my goals. That's, that's the goal for today. But we're beginning a series today called Address the Mess. Now today, we're going to address the mess in our own lives. That's, what we're, that's our focus today, is to address the mess in our own lives. 
But ultimately, our goal over the next four weeks is not only address the mess in our own personal lives, but to look around us and to see the messes that are around us. Maybe we're those messes that we've got dragged into, or maybe it's a mess that we're kind of on the fringe of and we see it. Maybe it's a a friend or a family member or whatever that's, they just don't know where to start. And we're going to talk about how, excuse me, how we can help them address the mess. So that's really, that's kind of as we set out in this, and, and the idea for this really came um, a couple a couple months ago, before Easter, I don't know if you guys remember this, but JJ did this standalone uh, message called "Build and Bring and Build Some More." It's it's kind of a playoff. We we've always talked around uh, talked about this around here that one of our strategies or one of our goals as a church is to build and bring, build relationships with people around us and bring them to church. But JJ kind of added a little you know, extra to that when he spoke that day. He said, we need to build and bring and build some more. And the idea is this. Yeah, we build relationships with people around us. We bring them to church, but we don't stop there. We don't stop there because Jesus didn't call us to make church attenders. He called us to make disciples, Okay, church attenders is one thing, but disciples is a whole different thing. And he called all of us to make disciples. When he, the Great Commission wasn't just for people like me who were on staff at the church or JJ, who's the pastor of the church. His command was to all of us if we're following him, we're to go and make disciples. So we build and we bring and we keep building. We keep building those relationships. We keep pouring into people's lives. There should always be someone there that we're, we're working with, that we're looking at, that we're helping them become a disciple, grow in their following of Jesus. So that's where the whole idea of this came from. And, and you might think to yourself, well, this is, we just kind of, we ended the series, you know, shut up and hug somebody. And now we're going into this series, and, and it sounds somewhat similar, but here's the difference. It's proximity. When we were talking in the last series of Shut Up and Hug Somebody, we're talking about people who maybe are kind of on the fringes. You know, we're Facebook friends with them, or we, they're acquaintances or whatever. We're talking in this series, we're talking about the people closest to you, the people that you know, you're around every day and you see those messes, you see the ins and outs of them. That's what we're going to be talking about. So that's kind of the context for what we're going to do. So we're going to talk today about the fact that we're all a mess and what that solution is. But then I want to set up and talk about what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, because I think this has the potential to change our lives, but then also change the life of our church as well. Now, we're going to actually, uh, we're going to be looking at a story uh, in the book of John. So if you got your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, you can go ahead. Um, if you're not really familiar with how the Bible works, it's broken up into two parts. You got the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. You got the New Testament or the New Covenant. Um, that's going to be important because we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But John is part of the New Testament, okay, or this New Covenant. In fact, 
uh, there are, at the beginning of the New Testament, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Gospels. These lay out, you know, what Jesus' Jesus's life was like here on earth. When he came to earth for those 33 years, here's what it looked like. Here's how he died. Here's how he was resurrected. It lays all of that out for us. Now, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are they're, they're kind of similar. In fact, we call them the synoptic gospels because they have a lot of similar content. You know, they each approach it from a little different perspective. But then John comes along a little bit later. In fact, it was the last gospel that was written. John wrote this much after the other ones had been written. Um, John had been there firsthand. He was right there by Jesus. Uh, in fact, he refers to himself as the, the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, we know that he was in the inner, he and Peter were, were the, part of the inner circle of the disciples. And so John writes his gospel from a little different perspective. It does include some of these events. In fact, what we're going to look at today is one of those events that we don't find in any of the other gospels. But then he kind of takes it and expands it a little bit more, and he, he really gets into the, the spiritual, the theological part of who Jesus was, Jesus said he was, and who he claimed to be. But this particular story, I love it that, that we find it only here in John, but it's one of those stories that's just so interesting to me. I mean, even before landing on it for this, for this uh, topic, it, it's just one of those things that's kind of, I've always wondered, what, what was Jesus thinking in those moments? So it's actually in John 5, and uh, we're going to, um, we're going to uh, start right in verse 1, okay? And uh, we're going to kind of, I'm going to read through it. Uh, we're going to stop in a couple places, kind of pick it apart a little bit. But it's just a, a fascinating story. It says this in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So after this, after what had happened before, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, we don't know which feast it was. We think that it was Passover, but we're not sure. Uh, we're not sure of the actual timing. There were all kinds of feasts that the Jews celebrated. But there was a feast, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, verse 2, now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate. So, you know, Jerusalem was a walled city at the time. There are various gates, and they had different names. So by the sheep gate, there was a pool. In Aramaic, it was called Bethesda, or in your, in your Bible, if you're following along in your Bible, it might say Bethesda. There's different spellings of it, okay? Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, okay? Now, let's stop there for just a minute and kind of pull this apart a little bit. So, Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He goes to uh, this area by the Sheep Gate, and we know that there is a pool there, a pool of water. Now, according to archaeology, you know, archaeological discoveries, we think now that this pool was a rather large pool. Uh, there's evidence of a pool here that was divided, and around it were these colonnades, basically these uh, covered walkways. They had, you know, these marble or stone columns, and then they were covered all the way around. And then the fifth one was the one in that division that kind of ran down the middle of it. And all around, under these covered areas, were these people, what 
Scripture calls invalids. Now, we don't really use that word today. Basically, the, the Greek word that's being translated here probably for us would most likely mean disabled. In some way, just a general term, they were disabled in some way. And it goes on to say uh, lame, paralyzed, blind, okay? But probably anything that you can imagine fitting in that category of disabled, as long as it wasn't something that was like a sickness that, that, that could be spread or that was contagious, probably anything within that category fit into the people that were underneath of these colonnades who were around this pool. Now, here it doesn't really tell us anything about the pool. Now, later on, we're going we're gonna to discover a little something, but they're, they're just here. They're around this pool for whatever reason. It goes on, picking up in verse 5, it says, One man was there who had been an invalid or had been disabled for 38 years. Okay, that's all we know about him. He's been disabled for 38 years. We don't know if he's 38 years old and he's been disabled all his life. We don't know if he was disabled when he's 10 and now he's 48. Most likely, he's probably been disabled all of his life. I mean... People, to be honest, 30, you know, that, that's pushing life expectancy as it is, okay, for that time period. So most likely, he's been disabled all of his life. That's all we know about him, all right? We don't know how it happened, whether he was born into it. If maybe he did become disabled later on in life, maybe it was something that, you know, he, some kind of accident happened to him and he became disabled, Maybe he got some kind of sickness and he became disabled. We don't know any of that. All we know is here he is. He's at this pool and he's waiting. He's been waiting for a long time. It goes on. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So Jesus knew he had been there a long time. So Jesus walks into the scene, walks into this crowd of people. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting because the way I imagine it is Jesus walks into this crowd and they're all disabled and he probably, I, I would imagine, was stepping through the crowd. Like, 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 you know, people are there, they're disabled, and he's kind of wandering through the crowd, maybe stepping over people. And he gets to this guy, and he knows he's been there a long time, and he says to him, do you want to be healed? Now, you know, they say there's no dumb questions, but in this guy's mind, he must have thought, who is this guy? And why is he asking me this dumb question? Like, like, this is the most obvious thing that, in fact, I think it was so, like, the question was so strange to the guy that he got confused because he doesn't really answer him. I mean, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And here's what the guy says. In verse 7, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. In other words, he's so confused about the obviousness of Jesus' question 
that he doesn't even say, yes, I want to be healed. He says, hey, you know, the reason that I'm here is I'm waiting for the water to be stirred. We're going to talk about that in a second. I'm waiting for the water to be stirred, and then I'm supposed to get in the water when it's been stirred, and, but somebody always gets there before I do. So that's his answer. It isn't, yes, I'd love to be healed. It's, here's what's going on with me. Now, let's talk about the water for just a minute. In fact, if you, you might have noticed this, maybe if you're reading a different translation, I think um, in uh, uh, King James or New King James Version, you might have seen this verse. But we kind of jumped, I don't know if you noticed, we went from verse 3 to verse 5, and there was kind of, we skipped over verse 4. Um, in, in that, there's a spot there where um, in the translation we use is called ESV, uh, in, or English Standard Version. This is a pretty modern translation. It uses the oldest manuscripts that we have uh, of, of Scripture. In some of, the later, in some of the later manuscripts, there's an extra verse in there that says that this pool was stirred up. Every so often, this pool of water was stirred up by an angel. And that whoever was the first person to get into the pool got healed. That, that's basically what it says. Now, even though that's not there, we do see it here in verse 7. Because the guy says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. So, so he alludes to it. He says, here's what I believe. I believe when this water gets stirred up by the angel or whatever, and if I can be the first one in that water, then I will be healed. That's his answer to Jesus' question. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, he doesn't know who this guy is. This guy's asking me, do you want to be healed? And I'm trying to explain to him, this is the way that I'm going to be healed. This is the, you know, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to get in the water before anybody else. But the problem is I've been here a long time because every time the water gets stirred, whatever that means, you know, whether it was an angel or whether it was the wind, I don't know. I don't know what it is that led them to believe this, but whatever's happening, somebody always beats in there. I mean, think about it. He's disabled. I mean, they're all disabled, but there were probably varying degrees of disability there, and somebody always got there before him. <clears throat> so it goes on, and it says this in verse 8. Jesus said to him, so even though he doesn't really answer Jesus' question, Jesus says to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. Verse 9, and at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. So here's this guy who's in a mess. I mean, if, enter, if anybody was ever in a mess, it's this guy, okay? Probably wasn't of his own making. I don't know, maybe it was. But probably, most likely not of his own making. He's in this mess. And think about the mess that he's in. Not only is, you know, he's living in a time when disabled means something completely different than it does to us today, okay? We have all kinds of technological advances and, and things that people can do today who are disabled amaze us. Amaze us. They don't amaze them. They can do them because they do it. But for that time period, 
this, I mean, he couldn't earn a living. I mean, his, 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 it seems so futile to sit here on the side of the pool and think you're going to be the first one in when the water's stirred. But that's the only answer that he had. It's the only answer that he could think about. It's an extremely hopeless situation. And that's how we often feel in those messes that we have. Those emotional and those spiritual messes that we have, we feel hopeless. We don't see where can I begin my way out. What can I do? Jesus, in fact, a lot of times people show up in our lives and go, hey, do you want to be healed? And we say, no, I really, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't, we, we make some of the same we, we, we come up with the same reasoning that this man reasoned with. We use some of our own human thinking, our own human terms, to explain away why we're in this mess and why we can't get out of it. But here's the thing. Just like Jesus stepped into this guy's mess, he stepped through that crowd, and stepped into his mess. That's what he does for us. In fact, I would say it this way. Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead us out of our messy life. Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead us out of our messy life. He's standing in front of us and he's going, do you want to be healed? And we're going, Wait a minute, I gotta just read my Bible more. I gotta do this. I gotta, you know, I gotta quit this sin or whatever. And we're confused and we're given all these crazy answers. And he's saying, Here, I can lead you out. Pick up your bed and walk out. I can lead you out. So Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead us out of our messy lives. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, yeah, I see, you know, like the guy, he gets healed, like, you know, like what happens after that? Well, it's interesting. He goes on and he begins to tell people, hey, here's what happened to me. <laughs> and, you know, as, as Jesus often did, you know, he steps from one mess to another. People start questioning the guy, like, hey, this happened on the Sabbath. Like, why are, you, why are you carrying your bed around? You're not supposed to carry your bed around on the Sabbath. And the, and the guy says, but, but the guy who told me to walk, he told me to pick it up and take it with me. Like, like I think I'm going to listen to him, not you, okay? Like, the guy that made me walk again, yeah, I'm going to listen to him, not what you're concerned about. But he tells them, he, like, and they say, well, who was this guy? He didn't even know who had healed him. He didn't know. He didn't know his name. He didn't know, you know where he had come from. He just steps into the crowd and says, do you want to be healed? And then all of a sudden, he goes, all of a sudden, he says, take up your bed and walk. And he did. Jesus later on, he has an encounter with Jesus a little bit later on because Jesus finds him again. In fact, it tells us this in, in, in verse 14. It says, 
afterwards, so after all this like controversy about the Sabbath and whether or not the guy should be carrying his bedroll around on the Sabbath, it says this, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. See, you are well, you're healed, I made you walk you. Now, on the surface, we might think, well, well, Jesus was telling him, don't sin anymore because you might find yourself back in the same situation. And we might think to ourselves, well, that was the reason that he was in the situation in the first place. That's not the case. All Jesus is saying is, hey, I took care of your physical needs. I took care of the physical need that you had. Now, Let's work on the spiritual side. Sin no more in case something worse might happen to you. Here, you want to you stay out of this? You want to not have to be back at this pool again? Then sin no more. Let me lead you out of this. Let me lead you out of your messy life. And the guy, you know, he, he's excited. He, he knows now that, that Jesus has him on the path to, to, to find his way out of his messy life, and he goes and he tells other people about it. In fact, we see right after this, he goes and he starts, you know, hey, I found out who that guy was. His name was Jesus. That's the guy. That's the guy that told me to pick up my bedroll. Now, that didn't really solve the whole Sabbath issue for these other people, you know, that whole other mess. But Jesus stepped into our messy world to lead us out of our messy lives. Now, a lot of you today, you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, okay, Chris, I get it. I know that. That's why I'm here. That's why I come every week. I know that. He's, he's led me out of my messy life. He's leading me out of my messy life. I realize that I need him to lead me out of my messy life that I can't do it any other way, that any other way it's going to be hopeless and futile. I get that. But here's the thing. If you do get that, he wants to use you to help lead somebody else out of their messy life. He wants to do that. I mean, that's part, I, I believe that's part of our, our redemption, part of him leading us out of our messy life, is to use us to lead other people out of their messy lives. And that's what this series is about. It's about what happens next. After I realized that Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead me out of my messy life, and I began to follow him, and I began to take those steps toward him and follow him out of it, then what happens next? Then he puts me to work. He has me step into other people's lives. In fact, I believe that as part of leading you out of your mess, Jesus will use you to step towards someone else's mess. So part of leading you out of your mess is that Jesus is going to use you to step towards someone else's mess. And that's what we're going to start talking about in the coming weeks. 
now that we're all on the same page and that we all understand, yeah, I'm a mess. That's our starting point. We're all a mess. And we need Jesus to lead us out of this mess. Once we're all on the same page with that, then we can begin to look around and say, okay, God, what's next? What do you want me to do next? Where do you want me to... Where, where, where do you want me next? What, do you want, what mess do you want me to step toward in someone else's life? Because here's what I know. And I, don't, I don't know about you guys. And maybe for you, maybe this, this is a huge revelation. In fact, I want to do this because I want us to make sure that, that we understand this. Because I think we, we think in terms of, okay, yeah, Jesus came into this world and yeah, he, he's trying to, you know, lead me out of my messy life or whatever. He's trying to lead us out of our messy lives. But I think sometimes we don't take that personally enough. We don't remember what he's done. It's easy for us to forget. In fact, um, I read uh, somewhere, I, I forget, uh, I think, actually I think it's Louis Giglio that says that one of, the, um, one of the consequences of our sin is that we have short-term memory, that you know, it's easy for us to forget things. And so we forget that Jesus stepped into this world to lead us out of our messy lives. Me, personally. In fact, I want you to do this. I'm going to ask them. They're going to put this up on the screen. They're going to put our statement up here that we've been talking about. But I want us to read it aloud together because I want us to put that word, me, in there. That Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead me out of my messy life. So all together... Let's read it together. Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead me out of my messy life. One more time. Jesus stepped into this messy world to lead me out of my messy life. We have to remember that. We have to remember that we all started messy. We all started with throw up on our feet probably all over us. I know that's where I started. It was a mess. It was bad. The things that I found myself in, the relationships that I had, it, it, it was a mess. It was the opposite of what God calls us to do. And then Jesus stepped in and he began to lead me out of that mess. Now, here's the thing. He used other people to do that. In fact, my mess was so big that he used a whole family of people to lead, help lead me out of that mess. We all know those people that did that for us. They were the friends that said, hey, what's going on? Hey, why don't you come check out my church? Hey, tell me what... Like, why are you so stressed today? What, what's going on? And maybe, you know, maybe they laid out the whole Jesus thing, but most likely they didn't. Maybe they were just a friend. But Jesus sent someone or some people or somebody or some group of people to help lead you out. And that's what the next part of this series is all about is that we need to be those people, that we're called to be those people. And so if you want 
people to have the same experience that you've had, then you got to be that. you got to do what Jesus called us to do. Let's go ahead and let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've done in our lives, how you've led us out of our messes, how you've stepped into, stepped through all the craziness in our life, and you led us out of our messes. And maybe today is the beginning of that process for some of us, that maybe we're so embroiled in all of our mess that, God, we just missed the fact that you're there, ready to lead us out. Maybe we've been trying to do it on our own. Maybe we've been just standing around not knowing where to begin. But God, we begin today by saying to you and recognizing that Jesus is the one who leads us out of those messes. And so God, I pray today that you would help us to recognize that. And then God, as we recognize that, we begin to think, where are the messes around us? Where are the places around us where we can be who you called us to be? Where are those relationships? Maybe it's a, a, a coworker, a family member, a friend, someone you grew up with. Their life is obviously a mess. And God, you want us to you you want to use us to help lead them out of that. So God, I pray that you would lay on our hearts this week who that person is. Not a bunch of people, but who that one person is, God, that you would call us to step into their mess, to step toward their mess and be that friend. God, we love you and we thank you and we're trusting you for that in Christ's name, amen.